section four of little journeys to the homes of american statesmen this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by betty b little journeys to the homes of american statesmen by albert hubbard section four part one benjamin franklin i will speak ill of no man not even in matter of truth but rather excuse the faults i hear charged upon others and upon proper occasion speak all the good i know of everybody franklin's journal benjamin franklin was twelve years old he was large and strong and fat and good-natured and had a full moon face and red cheeks that made him look like a country bumpkin he was born in boston within twenty yards of the church called old south but the franklins now lived at the corner of congress and hanover streets where to this day there swings in the breeze a gilded ball and on it the legend josiah franklin soap boiler benjamin was the fifteenth child in the family and several having grown to maturity and flown there were thirteen at the table when little ben first sat in the high chair but the franklins were not superstitious and if little ben ever prayed that another would be born just for luck we know nothing of it his mother loved him very much and indulged him in many ways for he was always her baby boy but the father thought that because he was good-natured he was also lazy and should be disciplined once upon a time the father was packing a barrel of beef in the cellar and ben was helping him and as the father always said grace at the table the boy suggested he ask a blessing once for all on the barrel of beef and thus economize breath but economics along that line did not appeal to josiah franklin for this was early in seventeen hundred eighteen and josiah was a presbyterian and lived in boston the boy was not religious for he never went forward and only went to church because he had to and read plutarch's lives with much more relish than he did saint's rest but he had great curiosity and asked questions until his mother would say good gracious go and play and as the boy wasn't very religious or very fond of work his father and mother decided that there were only two careers open for him the mother proposed that he be made a preacher but his father said send him to sea to go to sea under a good strict captain would discipline him and to send him off and put him under the care of the reverend dr thirdly would answer the same purpose which course should be pursued but pallas athene who was to watch over this lad's destinies all through life preserved him from either his parents aspirations extended even to his becoming captain of a schooner or pastor of the first church at roxbury and no doubt he could have sailed the schooner around the globe in safety or filled the pulpit with a degree of power that would have caused consternation to reign in the heart of every other preacher in town but fate saved him that he might take the ship of state when she threatened to strand on the rocks of adversity and pilot her into peaceful waters and to preach such sermons to america their eloquence still moves us to better things parents think that what they say about their children goes and once in an awfully long time it does but the men who become great and learned usually do so in spite of their parents which remark was first made by martin luther 
but need not be discredited on that account ben's oldest brother was james now james was nearly forty he was tall and slender stooped a little and had sandy whiskers and a nervous cough and positive ideas on many subjects one of which was that he was a printer his apprentice or devil had left him because the devil did not like to be cuffed whenever the compositor shuffled his fonts james needed another apprentice and proposed to take his younger brother and make a man of him if the old folks were willing the old folks were willing and ben was duly bound by law to his brother agreeing to serve him faithfully as jacob served laban for seven years and two years more science has explained many things but it has not yet told why it sometimes happens that when seventeen eggs are hatched the brood will consist of sixteen barnyard fowls and one eagle james franklin was a man of small capacity whimsical jealous and arbitrary but he cuffed his apprentice benjamin when the compositor blundered and when he didn't it was his legal right and the master who did not occasionally kick his apprentices was considered derelict to duty the boy ran errands cleaned the presses swept the shop tied up bundles did the tasks that no one else would do and incidentally learned the case then he set type and after a while ran a press and in those days a printer ranked considerably above a common mechanic a man who was a printer was a literary man as were the master printers of london and venice a printer was a man of taste all editors were printers and usually composed the matter as they set it up in type thus we now have the expressions a composing room a composing stick etc people once addressed mr printer not mr editor and when they met mr printer on the street removed their hats but not in philadelphia young franklin felt a proper degree of pride in his work if not vanity in fact he himself has said that vanity is a good thing and whenever he saw it come flaunting down the street always made way knowing that there was virtue somewhere back of it out of sight perhaps but still there james being a brother had no confidence in ben's intellect so when ben wrote short articles on this and that he tucked them under the door so that james would find them in the morning james showed these articles to his friends and they all voted them very fine and concluded they must have been written by dr so-and-so ph d who like lord bacon was a very modest man and did not care to see his name in print yet by and by it came out who it was that wrote the anonymous hot stuff and then james did not think it was quite so good as he had first thought and moreover declared he knew whose it was all the time ben was eighteen and had read montaigne and collins and shaftesbury and hume when he wrote he expressed thoughts that then were considered very dreadful but that can now be heard proclaimed even in good orthodox churches but ben had wit and to spare and he leveled it at government officials and preachers and these gentlemen did not relish the jokes people seldom relish jokes at their own expense and they sought to suppress the newspaper that the franklin brothers published the blame for all the trouble james heaped upon benjamin and all the credit for success he took to himself james declared that ben had the big head and he probably was right but he forgot that the big head like mumps and measles and everything else in life is self-limiting and good in its way so to teach ben his proper place james reminded him that he was only an apprentice 
with three years yet to serve and that he should be seen seldom and not heard all the time and that if he ran away he would send a constable after him and fetch him back ben evidently had a mind open to suggestive influences for the remark about running away prompted him to do so he sold some of his books and got himself secreted on board a ship about to sail for new york arriving at new york in three days he found the broad-brimmed dutch had small use for printers and no special admiration for the art preservative and he started for philadelphia everyone knows how he landed in a small boat at the foot of market street with only a few coppers in his pocket and made his way to a bake shop and asked for a threepenny loaf of bread and being told they had no threepenny loaves then asked for three pennies worth of any kind of bread and was given three loaves where is the man who in a strange land has not suffered rather than reveal his ignorance before a shopkeeper when i was first in england and could not compute readily in shillings and pence i would toss out a gold piece when i made a purchase and assume a i and audi mean and that philadelphia baker probably died in blissful ignorance of the fact that the youth who was to be america's pride bought from him three loaves of bread when he wanted only one the runaway ben had a downy beard all over his face and as he took his three loaves and walked up market street with a loaf under each arm munching on the third he was smiled upon in merry mirth by the buxom deborah reed as she stood in the doorway of her father's house yet franklin got even with her for some months after he went back that way and courted her grew to love him and they exchanged promises he said after some months of work and love-making franklin sailed away to england on a wild goose chase he promised to return soon and make deborah his wife but he wrote only one solitary letter to the broken-hearted girl and did not come back for nearly two years time is the great avenger as well as educator only the education is usually deferred until it no longer avails in this incarnation and is valuable only for advice and nobody wants advice deathbed repentances may be legal tender for salvation in another world but for this they are below par and regeneration that is postponed until the man has no further capacity to sin is little better for sin is only perverted power and the man without capacity to sin neither has ability to do good isn't that so his soul is a dead sea that supports neither amoeba nor fish neither noxious bacilli nor useful life happy is the man who conserves his god-given power until wisdom and not passion shall direct it so the younger in life a man makes the resolve to turn and live the better for that man and the better for the world once upon a time carlyle took milburn the blind preacher out on to chelsea embankment and showed the sightless man where franklin plunged into the thames and swam to blackfriars bridge he might have stayed here said thomas carlyle and become a swimming teacher but god had other work for him franklin had many opportunities to stop and become a victim of arrested development but he never embraced the occasion he could have stayed in boston and been a humdrum preacher or a thrifty sea captain or an ordinary printer or he could have remained in london and been like his friend ralph a clever writer of doggerel and a supporter of the political party that would pay the most benjamin franklin was twenty years old when he returned from england the ship was beaten back by headwinds 
and blown out of her course by blizzards and becalmed at times so it took eighty-two days to make the voyage a worthy old clergyman tells me this was so ordained and ordered that benjamin might have time to meditate on the follies of youth and shape his course for the future and i do not argue the case for i am quite willing to admit that my friend the clergyman has the facts yes we must be converted born again regenerated or whatever you may be pleased to call it sometimes very often it is love that reforms a man sometimes sickness sometimes sore bereavement dr talmage says that with st paul it was a sunstroke and this may be so for surely saul of tarsus on his way to damascus to persecute christians was not in love love forgives to seventy times seven and persecutes nobody we do not know just what it was that turned franklin he had tried folly we know that and he just seems to have anticipated browning and concluded it's wiser being good than bad it's safer being meek than fierce it's better being sane than mad on this voyage the young printer was thrust down into the depths and made to wrestle with the powers of darkness and in the remorse of soul that came over him he made a liturgy to be repeated night and morning and at midday there were many things in this ritual all of which were corrected and amended from time to time in after years here are a few paragraphs that represent the longings and trend of the lad's heart his prayer was that i may have tenderness for the meek that i may be kind to my neighbors good nature to my companions and hospitable to strangers help me o god that i may be averse to craft and overreaching abhor extortion and every kind of weakness and wickedness help me o god that i may have constant regard to honor and probity that i may possess an innocent and good conscience and at length become truly virtuous and magnanimous help me o god that i may refrain from calumny and detraction that i may abhor deceit and avoid lying envy and fraud flattery hatred malice and ingratitude help me o god then in addition he formed rules of conduct and wrote them out and committed them to memory the maxims he adopted are old as thought yet can never become antiquated for in morals there is nothing either new or old neither can there be on that return voyage from england he inwardly vowed that his first act on getting ashore would be to find deborah reed and make peace with her and his conscience and true to his vow he found her but she was the wife of another her mother believed that franklin had run away simply to get rid of her and the poor girl dazed and forlorn bereft of will had been induced to marry a man by the name of rogers who was a potter and also a potterer but who franklin says was a very good potter after some months deborah left the potter because she did not like to be reproved with a strap and went home to her mother end of section four part one